Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, it's a time of year when we spend uh, a lot of time reflecting on the year past and while having high hopes for the future. Well, best-selling author and nationally syndicated columnist Cal Thomas has taken a deeper approach. He's not just reflecting on the past year, but the last 50 years, 50 years of his covering uh, American culture and the world through his columns and commentaries. And since 1983... Uh, presidential elections, education, the economy, the big events, many tragic wars, political movements, faith and morality, from politics to the pandemic, crimes and catastrophes, triumphs and tribulations. What he's witnessed, sad to say, though, is a world that has, well, over the past decades, turned away from God. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong here, but we'll get his take on it. Cal Thomas has not just watched this slide of the culture, but watched over it, sending out warnings to readers of what happens, quote, when we refuse to embrace objective truth. It's all categorized and cataloged in his book, The Watchman in the Night, What I've Seen Over 50 Years Reporting on America. And my friend Cal Thomas joins me now. Welcome, Cal. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, Gee, after that introduction, I have nothing else to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is just this is just the end. The book is really fascinating. And but before we get started, I just want to thank you for coming on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and and thank you for always supporting me and encouraging me. I mean, I I really just cannot thank you enough. And I want people well, to know that I really do. Thank you, Lauren. Well, uh, you're worthy of support in so many areas. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so I know, I mean, why you wrote the book, but why did you write the book? <laughs> well, one thing that uh, always amazes me is how things never really change. You can change hairstyles, clothes styles, modes of transportation. You can even change politicians, but nothing really seems to change. And I think, as you uh, hinted in your introduction, a lot of that has to do with uh, human nature, uh, the condition in which we find ourselves, which Scripture describes as sin. Uh, Some people will remember uh, what sin was before we became dysfunctional. (laughs) But I think that uh, is behind uh, just about everything and can be reduced to that lowest common denominator. In my columns and in my commentaries, I I try to examine uh, these events, whether they be political, cultural, foreign policy, through the prism of Scripture, which I regard and many others regard as the uh, standard of truth, which used to be uh, standard of truth and everything from our personal lives to uh, the public education system. Our abandonment of that standard has uh, resulted in a moral and political and economic and cultural chaos. C.S. Lewis dealt with a lot of this in his great book, The Abolition of Man. Mm. Uh, said we've removed, uh, we made men without chess, we've removed the organ but demand the function. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. I think that's pretty powerful stuff. Why don't why don't people listen to that? Because it just seems so obvious to us, obvious to the world. Like, what is the problem with the world? Like G.K. Chesterton said, "I am the problem with the world." You know, it's right. Well, Chesterton also said uh, 
the danger when men stop believing in God is not that they'll believe in nothing, but that they'll believe in anything. And the late uh, Roman Catholic Bishop uh, Fulton Sheen said America is not so much overrun by the intolerant as it is by the tolerant. We tolerate almost everything today. Truth has become subjective. Uh, I have my truth, you have yours, and even if they conflict, it's okay as long as we feel good about it. You can't run a nation, you can't run a family, you can't run your own life with that kind of uh, worldview. You just can't. History proves it. And uh, in my columns, I, I try to bring people back to the standards that once were normal in America. You know, we had something that was uh, taught in our public schools for years called the McGuffey Readers. Mm. They were supplements to learning in the classroom, and they included uh, not only uh, comments about patriotism, but respect for your parents, uh, right and wrong, uh, even biblical quotations. My question is, who took a poll to find out that those kinds of values were no longer useful in America? Uh, we've been taken over by the secular progressives, and it's more evidence that uh, Satan is the temporary ruler of this world. Well, I, I'm glad you said temporary. You know, I was reading the book, and I want to get into the idea of the Watchmen, but I was reading the book um, uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks, is a, uh, a Puritan pastor. I mean, and it just seemed when I in writing in reading this book that it, I'm just blown away at how much you were talking about from what's happened. I mean, but you've, you were actually talking about it in modern times. But this is a quote from him, and I want to bring in this Watchman thing. He says, "It is my work as a Christian, but much more as I am a Watchman." to do my best to discover the fullness of Christ, the emptiness of the creature, and the snares of the great deceiver. Now, mm. that's from, you know, the, the 1700s. Your book is mm. now from the 2000s, and you're basically doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, again, human nature never changes. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that wonderful song, uh, Vincent, by Don McLean, the last verse is, they didn't listen, they're not listening still. Perhaps they never will. I mean, we've been warned in Scripture. Uh, uh, Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything you think has been thought before. Everything you do has been done before. Uh, but we don't learn from history. It's like we think we just crawled out of a cave and have to invent the wheel and discover the use of fire. Uh, I said in a previous book, there are three things that contribute to the decline of great nations. One is massive national debt. Two is an open border, immigration without assimilation. And three, and most important of all, is a loss of a shared moral value system. Mm. I've argued that all three of these now, not just one, but all three are now threatening the survival of the country. Uh, more than China, more than Russia, more than terrorists, more than Iran. Uh, Lincoln used to talk about uh, if America is ever going to fail, it will not be because of the invasion by a form, foreign army. It will be because we've done it to ourselves. And I think we are rapidly doing that. You see what's happening in our universities, in the public schools, drag queen story time in kindergarten. Uh, you can't wow. say Merry Christmas anymore. It has to be Happy Holidays. All of the things that built and sustained uh, America for generations are now being taken away. Statues, uh, the real history of America, all of this. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that 
the United States is going to last uh, beyond the 250 years that is the average, uh, according to the late British diplomat Sir John Glubb, the mm-hmm. average of uh, most great nations. Interesting. You know, you bring about what America may be going through or headed for. I mean, people have equated America with the Roman Empire, and the idea is the same, is that the Roman Empire crumbled not from outside forces, not from an external enemy, but from within, you know, the moral degradation. Yeah, well, look at this uh, recent story about this uh, young staffer on uh, the Senate staff of Senator Chris Coons, who was uh, videoed, Uh, having sex with another man in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Now, that may be an extreme, but it is emblematic, in my view, of the tolerance of just about everything these days. And, uh, you know, you have people who cannot define what a woman is, including a woman who's sitting on the Supreme Court. That's scary Uh, in itself. (laughs) Yes, it is. And and this is... This is the moral chaos that is grabbing the country right now. People ask me, well, what can we do about it? Well, the first thing you can do about it is get your children and grandchildren out of these indoctrination camps. Don't send them to these universities. Don't put them in public schools where they they question their gender and all of these other things. Uh, We don't send our troops to Russia or Iran or China to be trained. We, We train them here. But we willingly send off the next generation to these indoctrination camps and then are shocked to find out that they are embracing things that we don't believe in. It makes no sense. Preach, preach, brother. (laughs) (laughs) The offering will be coming shortly. Yes. You know, you you have the book laid out in years, like every year. And going through those years, you forget what happened in those years. And what is, you started in 1984, but what's, what's the year that for you is a huge one or years? Well, the easy one, of course, is... uh, 20, uh, uh, 2001, 9-11, uh, which uh, changed a lot of uh, views of people about what our uh, external threats are. But each year has its own uh, uh, thing to pay attention to. And and I think, uh, as I said earlier, if, if we don't learn from these things, then, you know, the cliche is the old saying, uh, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And that's what we're doing. Uh, no, you know, I think of Calvin Coolidge, you know, was my great uncle by marriage, who, who balanced the budget. And when he left office, he had a surplus. Uh, he cut the size of government. He reduced regulations. He cut taxes. In 1924, he won by a uh, landslide and his his election. And all of those things worked. But we behave today like uh, none of those things matter anymore. Mm. But they do matter. I don't know why we don't focus on what works and stop debating these these silly things that that aren't working. Uh, and, and then, of course, we have since television's advent, you now have these political commercials that uh, right, right. try to uh, the other party. It, it just makes no sense and nothing gets solved. You know, um, you have dedicated the book to your daughter, Carrie. Um, mm. And first of all, I wanted to know why, because um, usually, you know, people dedicate to their wives or, you know, but but to Carrie. I remember Carrie and and you know, I know you miss her terribly, but why dedicate it to her? Tell us about Carrie. Well, she passed away a few years ago from uh, a battle with brain tumors, and uh, she always said I was, uh, she was my favorite child. <laughs> she uh, probably uh, uh, had a great sense of humor, just like mine, and um, 
I just felt it would be uh, something nice to do and the rest of the family members would appreciate it. I've dedicated other books to other people, including other family members, and um, I just wanted her to be remembered because she was one of a kind. I miss her still, but uh, I know where she is and I'll see her again. So yeah. that's a blessed assurance. But I want to bring up the issue of father, fathers and fatherlessness because that's one of the things you brought out in 1986. Uh, you talk about uh, Moyers um, really calling attention to the breakdown in the black family. You know, 60% of black students born out of wedlock. And we're talking about 1986. And he was sending up that warning. This is, a, this is, this is not some, you know, far-right conservative talking about and sending up these warning signals. Um, why he was denounced for saying that at the time. He was denounced even by, even by fellow Democrats and editorial writers. Just like Alexander Solzhenitsyn was denounced when he made his favorite, famous Harvard speech uh, criticizing the, the West and its weakness. Uh, Solzhenitsyn was popular until he told the truth, and so was Daniel Patrick Moynihan. I mean, when he wrote that uh, fabulous essay uh, many years ago about the welfare system and what it was doing to the black family in America, uh, he was denounced by people who wanted to keep the welfare system because it brought them political power. It didn't help people get off welfare. You know, conservatives are often criticized for not caring about the poor. We care about the poor, but unlike the left, we want to make them unpoor. We yeah. don't want to sustain yeah. them in their poverty. And the first step on that is to put the man, a decent man, back in the family. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad to see, particularly during this uh, Christmas season, uh, so many ads now on television that show compassionate black men with their children. There's one who's reading a story time book to his child before he goes to sleep at night. These are the kinds of images that need to be promoted and encouraged yeah. and modeled. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that is pretty obvious is, and I have, um, I'm doing a, um, I will be doing a panel discussion at uh, NRB this year about fathers and faith and, and, and masculinity and, and the toxic kind of, impression that mainstream media is giving on masculinity and biblical masculinity, you know, the idea of it, but the idea that fathers are essential to a child's life should not be hate speech. And yet today it is. Yeah, well, a, a, a child's first image of what it means to be a father is from his or her own biological father. And from this, they get the notion of the fatherhood of God, what God is like when he, when he is referred to as father. And so if you have a bad human father uh, example, it is going often to color your view of the love of the father God. So all of these things are connected. And I think, uh, you know, we have lost a lot of that. Uh, family is always the basic structure of the human race, even before we get to the constitutional organization of a society. If you don't have a strong family structure with a loving and uh, a sacrificial father heading his family, as you say, a biblical fatherhood, not a dictator, but a loving father who, who is willing to give himself first to other members of the family, his wife and children, uh, then you have right there a, uh, a, uh, the beginning of a, of a moral and a cultural slide that cannot be repaired by any government program with which I am familiar. I don't want to face, focus too much on the 80s, but I, I think the 80s are very interesting because, because of, well, the hair, for one, you know, the, 
passions. That was interesting in itself. But there was so much we forgot about the 80s. Um, and one of the things that I didn't realize is that you actually spoke at Harvard for the 350th anniversary. Um, and look what we're facing in Harvard today. I mean, compare Harvard in 1986 when you spoke there to what's happening in the anti-Semitic um, rants that are on in Harvard's campus today. I think I was the only conservative there, which is uh, no surprise. <laughs> John Chancellor of NBC uh, introduced me. Uh, but one of the things I, I quoted, and Harvard people hate to hear this, because Harvard was founded on biblical principles for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can read this in their initial founding documents wow. in the late 18th century. How far and they Nathan fall. Pusey, Nathan Pusey, when he was president of Harvard uh, in the early 20th century, famously said that the least that should be expected of a Harvard graduate is that he learned to pronounce the name of God without embarrassment. Now God has become the embarrassment. And I shared some of these things at that 350th uh, deal. The only thing I really got out of it, I don't think they paid me, uh, was a little thing for my key ring that if I ever lost my keys, I, they would be dropped in a mailbox and they'd be sent back to me. So I do remember that. <laughs> What, but why is why is this happening on Harvard's campus? This anti-Semitic rant, these these the pro-Palestinian uh, vitriol of from the river to the sea, which is uh, um, speak for uh, destroy Israel. Well, Oscar Hammerstein wrote a little song for the musical South Pacific. Uh, the movie makers from that Broadway show didn't want to put it in the film because they thought it was too much of a downer, but he insisted and it made it in the film. And the song was, you've got to be carefully taught to hate. A mm. newborn baby doesn't hate. Uh, a, a, a child, a young child doesn't hate. But the older they get, if they are exposed to some of these things from maybe parents or their school or now peers and TikTok and social media, it becomes fashionable for some of them to belong to a group of haters. And I think that's what we're seeing today. Most of these people couldn't find Israel on a map. They mm -hmm. have no idea of the history. I just wrote a column uh, that is appearing in my newspapers this week uh, at referring to a survey taken two years ago that found most people don't uh, of Gen Generation Z and the millennials either don't believe the Holocaust happened or that far fewer Jews were killed in it. Now, where do they get this kind of information? It's not the truth. This is why Steven Spielberg, through his Shofar Foundation, has done such a magnificent job of recording the testimonies of Holocaust survivors over the years. It's why Dwight Eisenhower called in the, in the cameras to Auschwitz and Buchenwald to record what uh, he saw there because he felt that future generations might deny it without the evidence. But even with the evidence, there are people who deny it. And the, this is the rotten fruit that we're seeing in our streets on college campuses of what so-called higher education that I now call lower education has produced. It's another reason why we don't and should not send our kids to these indoctrination centers. Well, um, we're going to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with Cal Thomas. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lighthouse today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lighthouse. BetterHelp.com slash Lighthouse. And we're back with Cal Thomas, uh, syndicated columnist and best-selling author, talking about his book, A Watchman in the Night. We were reflecting on the past and, and hoping for a better future. But Cal, I want to zoom in. You've written how many... How many commentaries, how many columns have you written over your over your lifespan? What do you think? Well, when I uh, went through this uh, research for this book, it's not a column collection, but I went back and read all of my columns for almost 40 years. And so it, that, that comes up to, let's see, two per week, 40 years. It's about 4,000 columns. Wow. And uh, most of it, I think, I did not repeat myself, which is quite something. But... Uh, People say, well, when are you going to uh, retire? I say, well, I, you know, when the last newspaper closes, I enjoy what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's a gift. I don't do anything else. So I don't play golf and uh, I don't change light bulbs. Uh, <laughs> I just do uh, commentaries. But I never run out of material. Because I was going to say, how, how, do you, how do you decide what to write? What strikes you? What, 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 what happens in your mind when you say that's what I want to write on? Well, it has to be topical. It has to be, you know, you're asking people to take a a few minutes out of their 24-hour days to pay attention to what you're writing. So uh, it has to be topical. Uh, Sometimes it has to be controversial. Once once in a while, it can be uh, funny. And uh, I don't know, it just, it comes to me. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I, and something comes to me. It's, it's a gift. I don't know. know, People, well, I'd like to, Get started. Oh, I had a. I spoke at an event once, and this guy comes up to me afterwards and says he's a cardiovascular surgeon by profession, but he's always wanted to be a writer. Uh, can I? Uh, can I give him advice on how to get started? And I said, Well, I've always wanted to do a heart transplant. Can I help you out next time? He said, Oh, I get it. I get it. I said, Yeah, you know, the good ones. It takes a while, right? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's funny. Um, I want. I had a great thought, and then I just lost it. But I think. Um, one of the things that is very apparent is the progression of time. And you talked about this before, how the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, and I want to talk about um, two of the hot button issues still today, abortion and the LGBTQ movement. So abortion. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, let, let me just pick up on that. I think I know what you're going to ask, but yeah. both of them are related to the image of God. You remember that wonderful confrontation Jesus had with the Pharisees, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Hmm. And I love the way Jesus always answered these questions because he knew what he, what uh, they were thinking. He says, show me a coin. They gave, gave him a denarius. He said, whose image is on the coin? Uh, Caesar's. Well, then render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. Uh, whose image is on us? God's image. We are made in his image. And so Satan tries from the beginning to attack that image in us, whether it be marriage, gender, abortion, or whatever it is. He's attacking the image of God and has done so from the Garden of Eden. So if you understand this, you know, it's like a football coach who sends out a scout to look at the strong points and the weaknesses of the team they're about to play next week. Uh, We need to study 
uh, not only our own weaknesses, but where Satan is coming from when he's trying to destroy that image of God in us. This is why C.S. Lewis wrote the screw tape letters to help us understand the strategies and mind of Satan. And uh, it's a very useful thing. But I think all of these things are a direct attack on the image of God in us. And I think we're going to see more of that before the trumpet sounds. The future. Can we look at the future and see the positives and see and hope for the future? What can we do in the future so that we are not moving so far backwards? Well, again, I think in the short term, it's uh, making sure our families are strong and they're educated properly, either in homeschool or in uh, private schools, Christian schools. I'm encouraged that, that now 37 states with more considering have some kind of school choice program, either education savings accounts or or the direct following of tax money to uh, the school that a parent uh, chooses, even a public school if they like one better than the one in their neighborhood. Uh, But, of course, the left doesn't want this because they get all these contributions from the teachers' unions. Uh, I'm not a prophet or the son of one, uh, but, you know, at the end of the year, uh, in the one-day Bible reading, uh, we're now in Revelation, and uh, I think that, you know, this is the inevitability of what is to come. In God's graciousness, He's going to restore the years the locusts have eaten. The first thing taken away in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve's sin was the tree of life. It is the last thing that's restored. It's a beautiful... Uh, finish to the history of the human race on earth. And so I embrace that old Baptist hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the dearest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, and that includes political ground, is sinking sand. Amen, amen. And just our last thought here, talking about politics, we have an election coming up in 2024. Um, what are your predictions? What are your hopes? Well, again, I'm, you'd have to tell me the events that are going to happen between now and election day for me to make a good prediction. But uh, I think this is the strangest election I've ever witnessed. And I started paying attention in 1960 when JFK ran against uh, Richard Nixon, and I was a freshman in college. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, there are people who are predicting that uh, neither Trump nor Biden will be the uh, the nominees. Uh the polls show that a majority of Republicans and Democrats don't want either one, but it appears we're going to get them anyway. And so we're going to have two candidates that are disliked by a majority of Americans. You talk about a binary choice. This isn't a binary choice. This is a uh, uh, some other kind of choice. And mm. it's one that I think uh, most Americans don't want. But now's the time to vote for somebody if you don't want either of these guys that you think can be good and good can be a good leader. But ultimately, leadership, uh, Lauren, reflects followership. We get what we deserve if we're going to elect these kinds of people, Republicans or Democrats, and whatever their flaws are, then that is a reflection of where we are as a country. If uh, if we want morality, we have to reflect it. If we want uh, a scriptural truth, then we have to reflect it. Uh, the government's not going to get it uh, to us from Washington. They can't even impose morality on themselves. Wow. You are the watchman. Cal Thomas, a watchman in the night, what I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. Boy, get this book because I'll tell you, it will bring back a lot of memories of what has passed, but also really understand that we are pretty much the same as we were. 
you know. Yeah, well, I have a I have a deal uh, that most authors don't uh, have, Lauren. Uh, I have a money back guarantee on my books. If you don't like them, I guarantee you not to give your money back. <laughs> I love it. Cal, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Always an honor. Thank you. God bless you, my dear. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.